Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where I talk to my friend Gabe about everything I think he might have missed while being homeschooled and sheltered from the outside world. So, Gabe, we had a couple guests to cover the year 2000, which, again, thank you to Heather. Thank you to Peter. Thank you to Kat. Uh, you guys were amazing. And gals. Spectacular guests. So good. But because we had these guests, we had to kind of, like, uh, reduce the amount of information in order to be able to maintain it under, you know, over 45 minutes or around 45 minutes. So we were left with a couple of things on the cutting room floor that we couldn't use. So we're going to take advantage of today to kind of have a little mini episode where we where we discuss some of the, the things that didn't make it to the um, to the previous episodes. Uh, so we're still in the year 2000 in the United States. For the first time, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is officially observed in all 50 states. That surprised me. That it was in the year 2000. That's an embarrassing statistic is what that is. <laughs> yeah, they don't get better after this. Um, oh, no. Metallica files a lawsuit against P2P sharing phenomenon Napster. The lawsuit eventually leads the movement against file sharing programs. I thought you might enjoy that one. I remember that. That yeah. gets brought up periodically. I was an avid Napster user before that. Now, at the time, I totally was like, man, fucking Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana. <laughs> fucking yeah, yeah, fuck those guys too. <laughs> So I was listening to Nirvana before we started. I was listening to the Reading, mm. the Reading Festival recording from 1992. I love nice. that one. So that's where that came out. But no, but I, I remember when the Napster thing happened. I was like, man, fucking Metallica ruining a good thing. But then when you when you find out like that was a, an album that was that was not released, that was, you know, pirated, you know, like, OK, I can see why they were mad. So that happened. And um, this one I wanted to ask you about to see if you were aware in a pre-dawn raid Federal agents seized six-year-old Elian Gonzalez from his relative's home in Miami, Florida. Do you remember that one? I do. So I think about that time in my life, certain political things filtered through. And, I mean, there was a certain uh, skew to what what I heard. I occasionally got to hear uh, Rush Limbaugh. And uh, there was uh, certain things. And that was that was hot news, though, because, like, that was all, like, putting a finger in Cuba's eye and... Like all this, you know, like what, what are we, are we kowtowing to them and like what's going on? And it was, it was, I did hear about that. I remember his name came up a ton in the news. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the story. So what happened was his mother, him, her boyfriend at the time, and like, you know, another 10 or 12 people got onto one of those makeshift rafts and, you yeah. know, went for the U.S. Which Un is insane. I mean, so many people do it. And unfortunately, uh, everyone perished and they were able to find him still alive, this little five-year-old yeah. boy, six-year-old boy. So what ended up happening was it turned into a, a custody battle. His father, who was in Cuba still, had has rights to his son, right? But because he had made it, you know, the because of the medical attention that he needed, they had to bring him to the States. And there's the, uh, was it... Um, it's like a refugee. Yeah, but they have a term for it. It's like a oh, wet uh, feet, dry land, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so because of that, uh, because he had to come to the hospital, technically, even though he was, because normally the, the Coast Guard will stop you while you're in the water and send you back. Mm-hmm. But if you hit ground, you, uh, per the law, you, yeah, you're, you're given um, uh, nationality. Asylum. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so the relatives were trying to keep him here, but there, but it was like, but the father who has full custody now, considering the mother passed away, was like, no, I want my son back. And they had to do this insane raid at the time, really. Like, cause you, you've seen the picture, like these dudes are in full SWAT gear. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, and then there was like the whole, is his finger on the trigger and, you know, like, you know, safety and all that shit. But yeah, but I remember that. And yeah. so... In anticipation for this, I decided to look it up. So the kid's like 26 now, 27. Yeah. Through And he went through the, you know, through the normal Cuban thing. Like he joined the communist youth, like everything like that. He went to college. I think now he's like an industrial engineer. As of 2020, he is engaged and about to have his first son. Wow. I know uh, it couldn't have been easy because like that became a big like castro got involved i remember seeing like yeah. of course and it was like close personal friend suddenly with his dad yes <laughs> and so he comes over and it's a big deal i'm sure he got extra attention because it was this whole it would come up in the news it came up not that long ago when he was like like 22 23 i think there was something in the, in the news about him he, yeah because i think they i think they did like a 10 years later and um and uh, uh, 20 years later, they did some of those. But yeah, they, like up up until last year, they have actually kept track on how he's been doing. And apparently, he's, he's a pretty good kid. I mean, you know. That's good. It's I, I'm sure the extra stuff wasn't easy for him, especially with all the trauma. So it's yeah. nice that he, he made it out. It sounds like pretty well. Yeah, he did. So next up, we're going to talk about two movies that that we didn't get to during the other episodes. And the reason why these movies were like, they were they were my, if we have time, we'll fit them in. Because they served the purpose during that time, and it made sense to what they did afterwards, right? So the first one I'll talk about is the movie Scary Movie. Do you recall that movie? I I, I have been aware of every single one that's come out, I think, because they made a big splash uh, among friends. I, I don't think I've ever completely watched a single one. So I, I remember when the first one came out um, – I was all in it. American, um, it's an, well, it's an American movie, but it's a, like a slasher parody film, right? Yeah. Now, the reason why it hit my radar is because it was done by the Keenan brothers. Uh, Ke- yeah, Keenan brothers. No, the Wayne brothers. Keenan Ivory Waynes is the, is the older brother who, who ended up directing it, and it was written by Marlon and Sean Waynes. Now, these guys go back with me to In Living Color in the early 90s, and like their uh, comedies back then, like I'm Going to Get You Sucker, and like, you know, the, the different films that they did, they always parodied and made fun of like, so yeah. So the, the only thing about that movie and why it's dated is because first it was parodying a lot of the current slasher films of that era, like the screams that I know what you did last summer, you know, those type of movies. If somebody were to watch it now, they, it might not make as much sense. Kind of like I was, I was recently watching Airplane, you know. And because I saw that movie 20 years ago and I, I got the references, even though I don't get all the references because some of them are dated from the 70s. But for the most part, I'd say I get, I get about 75% of the references. Same, I think, would happen with this movie. If somebody watched it for the first time, they might not get all the references that are being parodied. So it's one of those movies that, um, that I think definitely is dated that I can go back to, but I think a new person would have a little difficulty with. But $19 million budget, dude, $277 million worldwide. 
Yeah. Yeah. It did a good job. I remember it was hugely popular. It was. Dude, that um what was the name of the of the character in that one? Um the slasher Ghostface? Was that his name? <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it spawned, like you said, it spawned four sequels over the next like, you know, decade. And then, you know, not another teen movie, like a bunch of parodies re like ignited into the film industry based on the success of this movie. So I remember I remember I had fun. I watched all of them. But again, I I got the references because they were all current at the time and I was watching them as they went. So I understood what they were making fun of. But I think that somebody now would have a little bit of a difficulty being able to keep up with all the references. Yeah, you'd have to do your homework first. A little bit, I think, definitely. the uh, The other movie that that uh, that I wanted to talk about, but we we didn't get a chance to, was the Charlie's Angels reboot of two thousand that starred Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. Do you remember that one? I I, I remember the poster vividly. The the big A with the with the flames and the three shadows of the of the ladies. Yeah, uh, that one movie actually also had um, Bill Murray, uh, Sam Rockwell. And uh, and one of my personal favorites, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover is this. What's the best way to describe Crispin Glover? So you, people will know him from Back to the Future. He played uh, Marty McFly's dad in the fifties. But he's notorious for being this actor's actor, like uh, like Harry Dean Stanton, where people know him, they appreciate him, but they do the little off in his acting. So he has a niche of, of the type of character he plays, and he plays it super well. Like, really, he plays the thin, creepy dude really well in everything. <laughs> a phenomenal actor, right? But, like, like, he fits a certain, like, yeah. like typecast. It's, it's crazy. But, yeah, he was the bad guy in that one. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a big budget movie with a cast that it had at the time. I think $93 million was the budget for that movie. It did get its money back. I think it grossed like two hundred and sixty-four million, and it made it one of like the top twenty highest-grossing films of two thousand. But I remember watching it, and I remember watching the second part. And the reason why I had it on the list is because was it two years ago they remade it again, right? With, yeah. Uh, with Elizabeth Banks and an, uh, and a new all-female cast with like Kirsten Stewart and everybody. I didn't actually watch that one, but yeah, that came out in two thousand. Did you? So you only saw the poster and never watched the movie? I did not ever watch the movie. Nope. Yeah, it was one of those movies where where um, people called in a lot of favors because there's a ton of cameos by real actors being almost themselves in the movie. So that was that can be fun if that's done well. That can be fun. Yeah, that that's one of the ones I wanted to talk about. Um, because we have technology and we love our new technology. Do you recognize this theme song to a TV show that started in the year two thousand? Uh, that's from Monty Python's Flying Circus. Okay. So that's not what started in 2000. No, it's not what started in 2000. That's what I recognize that from. <laughs> Is that? Am I right? Isn't that? It sounds like it. That's actually a really good question. Let's uh, let's look that up real quick. Um, let's see here. Here we go. Somebody's got some great information about this. Look at you though, Gabe. I think you might have cracked something here that I didn't. I didn't find. Yes. It was the first time for everything on this show. It's not. So it's got to be from something. But yes, I was uh, definitely wrong. So it time. says, um, "What is that?" I definitely familiar. So let's see. Its origins in Italy, nineteen seventies. 
the name of the theme is called Frolic by com- film composer, Italian film composer Luciano Michelini. It was composed for little-known Italian movie La Bellissima Estate, The Beautiful Summer. Um, See, now that's not where I know it. <laughs> yeah. So this was the theme to the television show that started in 2000, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. Okay, that definitely fits. Yeah. But uh, that's a good catch, though. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know, what's funny. I did not watch this show. Like I, I, I've never, I've never watched it through, right? I've seen an episode or two, but I think that it's, it, because, uh, Larry David is also the same individual that, um, helped create, uh, Seinfeld, which I didn't watch either. I think it just didn't fall under that, which by all accounts, it should be something I'm in and I've tried. I just cannot get into the show. Now I loved Larry David's work as uh, Bernie Sanders in the SNL sketches. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But Curb Your Enthusiasm, American television sitcom, uh, HBO TV show uh, from 2000, created by Larry David, where he plays a fictional character of himself. Now, what was interesting about that show, and why I say it would be right up my alley, is because the plot and subplot of the show were established from the writers, but the dialogue was largely improvised by the actors, which made it really outstanding because every take was almost different, you know? So again, like, all things point that I should like this show. I just, his character just does not, doesn't, did never drew me in, dude. I could never, never get into that show for some reason. Yeah, I'd never watched it either. And as a, I liked, like, a big fan for Seinfeld. Like, I've been through that several times. And... I don't know. It's just that one. I've seen clips of it. It's never been like, I should go watch that in its entirety. Yeah, that's one of those TV shows that maybe later on I'll try again, but uh, I have not been able to get into at all. Now, another TV show that I wanted to bring up, uh, just because I'm a huge fan of this actor, uh, a show called Jack of All Trades. Does that sound familiar? Mm-mm. Okay, it's an action comedy. Um, it ran for two seasons in 2000. It actually was canceled in the middle of second season, but it's set at the turn of the century, 19th century, in a fictional French-controlled island, right? So it's uh, very much very specific. It's, uh, it stars Bruce Campbell as an American secret agent sent there, sent there by President Jefferson. While there, he meets a female lead that becomes a love interest and stuff like that, but it's it's a show you know like uh like the the Briscoe County and like the like the Xena and the Hercules TV shows where they would they would poke fun a little bit at history uh, how things were invented or how things happened you know based on on what the scenario of the episode was uh so yeah it was a funny show Bruce Campbell can't do any wrong dude I, I love Bruce he Campbell can. in any in everything I think one of the first movies we ever talked about that I remember bringing up on this podcast was like Bubba Hotep back in like 90 no 2002 maybe uh but yeah so it was a funny show short-lived a good premise but i think it was i think it was around the end of that era where like the hercules thing and the xena thing and all those things were just kind of ending so people were not not loving it as much but jack of all trades was a funny show and i i would recommend people check that out uh, as a fan of bruce campbell and as a fan of like a half hour uh, you know like action comedy all right moving on to People who died in the year 2000. Okay, so I'm going to ask, and I don't, and I think I know the answer because even I was like, who is this person? But 
Alfred Gross died in 2000. It sounds vaguely familiar. Let's see if it actually is, because I don't. I couldn't tell you who it was. He created and patented many communication devices, especially in relation to early versions of the walkie-talkie, the Citizens Band radio, the telephone pager, and the cordless telephone. This guy was talking about these things in the 60s. Ahead of his time. He actually approached Pacific Bell at the time, Bell, about, you know, like wireless communication, and they turned them down. And because Bell was such a huge company, that's a mistake. No other no other people wanted to deal with him because they didn't want to feel the wrath of like uh of Bell at the time. So if Bell's like passed on you, nobody could touch you because then you would be ruining your 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 relationship with Bell. Uh, but he went on to, to continue like working on microwave stuff until like until his 80s when he passed away. He passed away at, 80, at the age of 82. But this is basically the man who created the walkie-talkie and started the conversations about cordless uh, telephones. Isn't that insane? Wow, that that is wild. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I, I thought it was Some interesting. Just have vision like that, right? And again, like even after all this, it. You know, like he he was like, I'm just going to keep working. And again, he moved into a different field and left that behind. But this is the man who created the walkie talkie that was used in like World War Two and everything. It was crazy. Wild. Uh, the next person we're going to talk about is somebody who you might know. Uh, the individual named Steve Allen. Steve Allen was an American television personality, radio personality, musician, composer, actor, comedian, and writer. In 1954, he achieved the national fame as the co-creator and first host of The Tonight Show, which was the first late-night television talk show. This is the guy that basically passed it on to Johnny Carson, who then made it the most famous thing in the world. Um... But yeah, but this dude is, uh, he recorded over 4,000 songs, composer and everything like that. He was, he was doing like uh, television variety shows, creating a bunch of TV shows, just like everywhere and everything. He died at 78. Um, it was one of the, it was a weird thing. They thought he had died of a, of a cardiac arrest. But what happened was he had been in a car accident and injuries from the car accident weren't checked. And they basically, oh. yeah. That there was a ruptured, uh, ruptured, a ruptured blood vessel from the from a chest injury, um, and it was a minor traffic uh, accident, and nobody realized that he had sustained such a heavy injury, and basically uh, he passed away the, the the next day. Man, but so I remember Steve Allen. So I'm a, I'm a I'm a enormous Jack Kerouac fan, right? I, I think he's probably one of my favorite writers of all time. But during when Steve Allen had the Steve Allen TV show in the in the fifties, he had Jack Kerouac as a guest, and this dude was very hip, like into what everything that was going on. So he had Jack Kerouac reading from his book, and he was improvising jazz through like for the entire episode. That was just Kerouac reading and him improvising jazz. It's the coolest thing wow. I know. Such a cool thing. But that's how I remember hearing about him and then realizing how much he had done for, for television later on. And then Yeah, he sounds like this. a real renaissance man. He was. He definitely was. Now, this one, I grew up reading this magazine. I don't know how I got into it, but I think every like teenager gets into, into Mad Magazine. 
Uh, Don Martin passed away. He was uh, an American cartoonist who's been best known for his work uh, published in Mad Magazine from 1956 to 1988. He uh, died at the age of 68 in 2000 uh, from uh, cancer. I uh, I remember his comics though. Like I wasn't reading. I was reading Mad Magazine in the 90s, uh, but the comics that he did were still like kind of like. I feel like he inspired every cartoonist after that for Mad Magazine. He kind of set the way, set like the, the the foundation for what the type of comics they wanted and the type of artists they wanted. Uh, and I've gone to old Mad Magazines and I and I have seen a ton of his work. Um, yeah, just to, you know, basically, I think he was like he started out as a regular artist and became like I think they called him the maddest artist. <laughs> 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 but uh, he cool. passed away uh, at the age of uh, sixty-eight, which is. Not old, not young, but I, yeah. But I feel like I uh, didn't get the, uh, you know, like could have could have gone not a couple quiet. more years. Yeah, cancer will get you, man. Cancer will get you. So moving on to music that we and I, and after talking to Cat, I feel like this one should have been covered during her episode because one of the weird ones we were going to, she mentioned was N Sync. NSYNC released the album No Strings Attached in 2000. Now, it's not their first album, but it's one of their biggest hits for a couple reasons, right? So I think the name of the guy, I think his last name was Pearlman. But this guy was the, the man responsible for Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. And what ended up happening was he was running both ba- both bands and almost making them into rivals. Yeah. Kind of Pepsi and Coke kind of thing. Yep, yep. And they didn't realize that that was happening. And when they did realize it was happening, they ended up breaking contract with them. And this was their first album away from him. And that's kind of why they called it No Strings Attached, kind of like a little Mm. Pinocchio nod. But it was also at the time when they were really growing as artists. So it was like it debuted at the top of the Billboard 200 for, I think, 2.4 million copies sold. Wow. uh, Setting the record for one week sales in the country. A record that remained there for 15 years until Adele came up um, in 2015. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, Damn. four singles came out of that. I was never a huge NSYNC fan, but even I remember this album because it was on the radio everywhere. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I would have heard some of the songs just because of exposure. Yeah, but yeah, I, I was like, oh, this is that one that Cat wanted to talk about, <laughs> but I was like, it, <laughs> it was too early and we were running out of time. Yep, yep. Um, the other album that I remember, I remember this dude. I, I was, I was, I was working a grave shift in 2000 when this came out, and it was like it was it was rap music, right? So it's 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 Nelly's Country Grammar comes out in 2000, his debut album. But it was it was rap like I kind of hadn't heard before. It sounded different. It sounded uh, like the style, the the rhyming style was was looser, and and I was like, it was really good. It was really interesting and really good. But yeah, I remember I listened to it and I was like, wow, this is a really great album, like from beginning to end. Um, yeah, it came out in 2000 uh, as uh, number three in the Billboard 200. By the way, it's funny. We just said that NSYNC sold 2.4 million copies in their first week. These guys sold 235,000 copies in their first week. <laughs> Which is amazing. It's amazing, right? Right. But-, but here's the thing. By the end of 2000, they had sold 3 million copies. So... I mean, they had Nelly picked up and they made it. Yeah. So certified uh, three times platinum. And what it did was it opened up for St. Louis rapping to come out, which is that style. And then 
that eventually allows the South to come out a little bit too with like Ludacris, like those type of artists started coming out right around the same time because people started looking at rap now, not just the East Coast or the West Coast. They're like, oh shit, it seems like Mid-America has, you know, some decent talent with music we haven't heard. So I remember this came out and then he brought out the St. Lunatics with him, which was like that Air Force One song that blew up forever, you know, like uh, Murphy Lee and all those but I remember this album and I was like, man, this is good. And then there's his second album was also fantastic. Was this no anywhere in your radar? No, I need a. We still need to, I think, get you to, to put me together a playlist. I am working That's on it. We should do. I am working on it based on all this yeah. information. But here's the thing, though. You have to take a week to actually listen to it, and then we have to have an episode. Yes, that's what that's what's going to happen. Because what other movies have we talked about that you still haven't seen, Gabe? <laughs> right. Well, see, here's the thing, though. The music playlist I can do because there's ah. a lot of activities I do where I can listen. Nah, makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll we'll. You know what? I have an episode in mind then that we can do because I've been wanting to do something with this production that we have now. Um, mm. and yeah, okay. You know what? Yeah. Let's have a little fun with that. Okay. Let me, right. let me mark that here that I will be doing something. And then when I hear this and I'm editing, I will remind myself what I'm supposed to be doing with that something. Okay. Moving on to tech and toys, uh, from 2000. I never, I don't think I've ever played this, but I know it was hugely popular, but the Sims is, uh, released in North America in 2000. Did you ever venture into The Sims? So my experience with The Sims brand, I played Sim Ant way back in the day on Macintosh. Oh, wow. I, I played Sim City, which by played, I was pretty young, right? So I wasn't really good at the mechanics. I basically just wanted to start doing the stuff that wrecked up the city. So I would build up a city and then just you could choose to send disasters wait no but that was that's different than the it is so that then they did the sims later which is oh i see people. what you're saying yeah 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 okay because one was the city and one was the people in the city right yeah yeah, so yeah, Sim yeah city was you built this it was this urban development thing and then there was uh catastrophes that would happen and what you did with that and managing your money sim ant was you were you were doing an ant colony and real specific ants you would do stuff with and i don't remember more of that yeah it was a thing that is not something i've ever heard of and i assume it's the same because it's got the same naming scheme maybe it's not even so when sims came out i didn't get into the first one i did dabble in sims later i own sims 3 i know i played a little bit of it um some of the earlier stuff but i don't remember it must have been like a friend had it okay but uh i was definitely aware of it that was always big news because that game, like, they came out with everything for it. Like, everything got expanded. Like, they kept coming out with modules of different things you would add on, like ghosts or werewolves or magic or, <laughs> like, it just kept growing. So it got more fantastical as time went on. Because the base game, you could just try to have, like, a, a reasonable life. Mm -hmm. And then they started, and it, that game at this point, I think people even play, like, original Sims still with all the new ones that are out because of some of the things. Because... It got simpler over the years in some ways. Mm -hmm. Like they simplified certain things. So like in the earlier ones, there's some more complexity for things that you can have your, your character deal with that are still fun. But it was a big deal. I remember game magazines were always, you know. Yeah, no, I, re I remember The Sims and I remember like they would always show you like the person's like, you know, they were in the room and you would control them and stuff. And I was, but it was just never, never for me. And again, I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing like computer games. So I just never, 
one of the things entertaining things people found out pretty quickly is that so your sim has skills right okay that you rank up as you do stuff so cooking if you start off cooking you're bad at stuff and a lot of times you'll start fires so people would do things <laughs> like they would they would delete all the doors it'd be nothing but walls and have this of sim with poor cooking skill cook because then they'd start a fire and freak out and they had nowhere to go or you'd let them in the pool and you'd delete the ladder so it, it became a like a thousand ways to die oh wow because there was all these things you could do that would then the AI wouldn't know what to do with it or couldn't cope. And of course, if if you can if you can find the glitch, you will mm -hmm. uh, exploit the hell out of it. Uh huh. Right? Uh huh. So as people were entertained, you you would you could go and and live your mundane life as long as you could take it, and then be like, you know what, this guy's gonna have a real hard time. <laughs> we'll put him in a house with no bathroom and no door. Oh my god! Wow, that's interesting, dude. I didn't think about that, man. And so, watch him struggle. So after that, they were like, you know, maybe let's not let's not make it a murderville, huh? <laughs> I think there's definitely still ways in the newer one to die, but there's also interaction with ghosts and like it's not the end necessarily when someone dies. There's things that can happen in spirits, and you can you can still kill them. It's just I think a little less in your direct control. Oh, okay. Like that, I think there's I, I feel I you can still mess someone up. They can still start fires. And then the, because we're doing a episode, we're doing a Jack and Whis or no, yeah, Jack Daniels and whiskey today. Yeah, I saw that at the store and I was like, I couldn't find the Motorhead one, <laughs> so I was like, this looks just like that can, except the other one was better. That's like an already an already ready to go Jack mm -hmm. and Coke. Nice. Tastes like Coke. <laughs> That's the way you don't want it to taste like Jack. So that's the well, ideal. Is I'm like the Coke. person that does like 75, 25 on my rum and Cokes. So yeah, I'm, you know, well, rum, I, I I could see Jack though. Yeah. But the minute you put Coke in it, it doesn't, doesn't, it just tastes sweet. It sweetens the go. Coke. Anywho. So this one surprised me. I didn't realize happened in 2000. We talked about the PlayStation two being released in 2000. Yeah. They also released something called the PS one. Which was a stylized PS1, like a smaller redesigned version of the original PlayStation. They released it that same year. Oh. Here's the funny thing. It was the highest selling console through the end of the year, outselling the other consoles, including PlayStation 2. Well, they, they were their own biggest competitor. But it was in my head, I was like, that would be taking a Super Nintendo and saying, nah, I'd rather play Nintendo when the new Nintendo comes out. Now, now I can go back and say, oh, I'd love playing the old Nintendo, but not if you just released a new one. Not when it was new, yeah. I wonder uh, I wonder if that's a matter of certain price dynamic, like if it was cheap enough, if it was cheaper by comparison or something, or just the games library was big enough that mm. there was games people wanted to play. That could have been an influence. That's true. And... Uh, and, well, I was going to say, what about Christmas? But this was released in July, so it's not like they were, you know, trying to get, like, a Christmas gift. But, yeah, no, I I, I, I didn't I, – I had completely forgotten about this until I looked at this picture right now. Ha! But, yeah. And then the last thing, because this one was near and dear to my heart. This was my first phone. The Nokia 3310 comes out being one of the most successful phones with 126 million units sold worldwide – and being one of Nokia's most iconic phones, that little thin-looking brick that you could—I remember you could—they eventually you could change the face of it and you could put a different face on it. I had this. I had one with with dragons on it. I had one like that was black Chinese dragons. with the red Weezer W on it. 
It was the coolest fucking phone ever. But that was my yeah. first phone in like 2001, I want to say, or 2000. 2001, I think. That had to be, the brick had to be my first phone as well. I had it, and I, I got the faceplate swap. And I think it was white with red. Ah. Like the Asian dragons wrapped all around. Yep. I think I still have that in a box. That's crazy. That's the one that they really released, right, for fun? Yeah. Like this year or last year, right? I think it was like, yeah, just within the last year or so. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah, I was like, man, that, that, like, I think everyone in their mothers remembers that that's that phone because of the look of everyone it. Everyone had it at a certain point. Yeah, the look of it. And I just remember the snake game. That just. Snake. I played a lot of snake. Tons of snake. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much all the stuff that, that was on the cutting room floor because we, we just did not have enough time to put it in the other ones. But I wanted to discuss Iconic. some of these because they were they were good. And uh, and to close out the year this way, have a little. I say mini episode, but it's going to end up being, you know, 35 to 40 minutes long. anyway. <laughs> so I did, I will say I did like having guests. I thought that was fun. It, it, it Again, it shortens the amount of information we can share because we have to, you know, allow for everybody to be able to um, share their thoughts. But it's good to, but it was good to catch up to some of these people that I normally text or, or, and things like that, but to actually like have a full on conversation like this. And everybody was so game. It was awesome. I really enjoyed really it. So it I think, fun. I think maybe for a later year, we might do it or just in the, in the, like invite individuals for like a solo episode so that we, we can still maintain our, our uh, format. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. But yeah, these were definitely fun. This was definitely fun. But yeah, that closes off the year 2000. I think I did most of the talking in this episode because I wanted to get through the information. Busy and year, though. Busy, Given right? Everything we covered. There's so much thing. So much happened. I know. And we and most of it was Y2K, which was not during this year. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> it was Y2K adjacent. Yeah. But yeah, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, and we will see you next week.